This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment, and this is episode number 16, and I'm calling this episode A New Life. If you're joining me for the first time, The Faith Experiment is about putting faith into practice. And so far on the show, I've been sharing with you my own personal journey of faith and how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. Now, if you've missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up on the details, go ahead and get the Faith FM app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcast section for The Faith Experiment. You can also find The Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it easy for you to keep up to date with The Faith Experiment. Well, I love hearing from you here on The Faith Experiment and I would love to hear from you today. Where are you listening to The Faith Experiment from? Let me know by texting me on 048-88-45311 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au or you can message me on the Faith FM Facebook page. Let me know what you're thinking, where you're listening to and what questions do you have for me. Now, in this episode, I've got a great little ebook I want to give away. It's a book that I compiled of more than 250 powerful Bible promises that will transform your life. The book is called Transformed, and it's full of texts that have shaped and changed my life over the past 19 years during my faith experiment. And I know that it will transform your life too. So stick around to get today's code word during the show. You'll need to text the code word to 04888. Four five three double one. So save the number into your phone right now. O four triple eight four five three double one, and wait for the code word. Now, on the last episode, a new birth. I shared with you how I went to my first church camp meeting, and while I was there, I met a Bible teacher who shared with me the biblical narrative of the two families involved in this great cosmic conflict, the family of God and the family of the devil. And I saw how that once again, the longing desire of God's heart is to redeem us and to restore us, his children, from the brokenness of selfishness and sin. And it was because of this that God sent his only begotten son for us. And this provides us a way back to be adopted into the family of God, which entitles us to receive his inheritance. You remember, you can only receive an inheritance if you belong to the family. And the inheritance that God wants to give us is eternal life. And I shared with you how that this adoption process Jesus calls being born again. It's the process of leaving one family, the one with the characteristics of its father, the devil, and joining God's family, which has the characteristics of God. And as I shared with you on that last episode, this new birth, although it starts quietly and privately, it's marked with a public declaration in the form of a baptism. Jesus said in the Greek New Testament book of Mark in chapter 16 and verse 16, he said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. See, baptism is an evidence of our belief. Now, after understanding what God has done and what he was doing in my life, and after understanding the meaning of this new birth and the purpose of baptism, it was there while on that camp in a river nearby that I 
followed Jesus' example and I took my stand on his side and was baptized. Now, after coming up out of the water, things were different, but still the same. They were different because I knew that I had now made it public. I had publicly shown that I chose God, that I chose Jesus, and that I chose the Holy Spirit. And that meant I was also publicly rejecting or renouncing the life that I had lived up until that moment, a life that was marked with a focus on self and a quest for wealth and power and influence. I had lived for me, for what I could get and what I could find. But now I was not living for myself anymore. I was living for God. And so there was something tangible that had changed with this baptism. But at the same time, things were still the same. I was still a human after all. I was still standing here in a river. I wasn't miraculously raptured away. I didn't have any euphoric feelings. I didn't now feel like somehow I was holy. In fact, it was quite the opposite. I felt like a sinner. I still felt unholy, like I was not good enough to even call myself a follower of Jesus or to call myself a Christian. But while standing there in the river, I remember the promises of the ancient text, promises like God is faithful. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then there was the other promise that said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. As I recounted these verses, I thought, If I look at myself, I will never see any way for me to be saved. But if I look at Jesus, I can't see any way for me to be lost. As I made my way out of the river and back to the change rooms, the words of the hymn that was sung there by the water's edge kept echoing in my mind. I rise to walk in God's own light, above the world and sin, with heart renewed and garments white, and Christ enthroned within. And then it hit me. I've risen to walk in God's own light, above this world and sin. But... I'm still in the world, which is filled with sin. I mean, I need to go back to work next week. How's this going to work? Will I really be able to live differently? The next morning was the last day of the camp. And after one last meeting, which looked at what Jesus is doing now in the heavenly sanctuary, we were all encouraged to go home and not just to live the life God has called us to live, but to share it with others. As I packed up the few things I bought with me into the back of my car, a few people I had met during the camp came over to say goodbye and to exchange contacts. After a few minutes of chit-chat, one of them said, Well, let's pray for you, Robbie, that you have a safe trip home. I was surprised this, this guy wanted to pray for me. You know, of all the things I've found incredible since becoming a Christian is that when you join God's family, you literally join, well, his family. You know, over the years, I've visited about 40-plus countries, and no matter where I go, I'll find people who are instantly family, and not in some airy-fairy wannabe family, like legit family. The vast majority of the professed followers of Jesus are the real deal. Now, don't get me wrong, I've met my fair share of actors, or as Jesus calls them, hypocrites. But Jesus says you will know his followers because they have love for one another. So these new friends, they're praying for me. They're praying that I'll have safe travels back home. 
but they also pray that my faith will be strengthened as it's put to the test. And then the guy who's praying, he quotes from some text in the Bible about the devil being a roaring lion seeking to devour me. And I tell you what, when he said that in his prayer, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. You see, I'd read about the devil. I understood his origin. I got that he was the enemy of God. But I'd never really thought about the fact that he was really, literally trying to destroy people. But as I'm standing there, I remember the text from the Greek New Testament book of Revelation, where it says in in chapter 12 and verse 17, it says that the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, man, that's pretty heavy stuff. I'm one of these people now. I'm one of these followers who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that means that this dragon, who in the same passage is called the devil, he, the devil, he's enraged with us. He's enraged with me and he's gone to make war with us. He's gone to make war with me. Again, the hair in the back of my neck stood up on end. Well, we say our goodbyes and I get into my car and I start the long drive home. And I get a few k's down the road and I think to myself, I should put a CD on. Yes, this was the days before MP3 players, iPods, media players, iPhones, you name it. It was before all of that. You had CDs and a CD player. And you see, I lived for music, all music. You name it, I had it. I prided myself on my CD collection. I had something for every occasion, for every mood. And so I grabbed my CD folder from out underneath the front seat of the car and I started flicking through the discs. Now, for long distance driving, I had the preference of the more upbeat kind of music because I found that it kept me from getting bored or weary on the drive. So I reached for one of my favorite CDs, Metallica, the Black Album. And so I put the disc into the player and when I put the disc in, I noticed for the first time that the disc has a picture of a snake coiled up ready to strike right there on the disc and I think to myself man I didn't notice that before and anyway in a second I put the disc in and track one starts playing enter Sandman and as it's playing I'm doing what everyone does who's drives alone and if you don't you're lying you start singing along with the songs now I knew every single word to just about every single song and every single CD I had in my possession but for some strange reason Something was different this time. As the song was playing, I was actually comprehending the words as I was singing them. It was like a wall of fog had been lifted from me for the first time ever, and I was understanding what the song was actually saying. It says, Say your prayers, little one. Don't forget, my son, to include everyone. Tuck you in, warm within. Keep you free from sin. Tell the Sandman he comes. Exit light. Enter night. As I was singing, I stopped mid-sentence. Right there in my tracks. What was I singing? Exit light? Enter night? Something deep within me pushed me to hit the stop button on the CD player. And I started thinking to myself, man, there's something wrong with this song. I don't want light to exit. I don't want night to enter. And I ran through the rest of the songs of the album. Titles of songs like It's Sad But True, The Unforgiven, Wherever I May Roam, Nothing Else Matters, The God That Failed, The Struggle Within. 
as I thought about these song titles, this album was the complete opposite of who I am now, of what I want to be. And I sensed that this kind of music, this kind of songs were now at odds with this life that I'd chosen. And so I pulled the disc out and I, I put it down and I, I grabbed another disc. This time it was another great band called Garbage. Yes, I know sounds funny but that was the name of the band garbage and as i started running through the tracks in my mind titles like i'm only happy when it rains stupid girl and the list keeps going on and on before i even played a single track the thought comes to me again this music represents the opposite of who i want to be now and so i put that cd down i pulled out another one pink floyd and the same thing happened the songs the lyrics or the actual musical arrangements there was something that didn't sit right didn't feel right anymore. And this happened again and again. The Smashing Pumpkins, Green Day, Frank Sinatra, Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, The Beatles, Powderfinger. It didn't seem to matter which CD or which band I picked out of my collection. Every album seemed to be filled with songs about lust and pride and selfishness and death and depression and sin and adultery, lying, hate, anger, arrogance and darkness, all of which now was feeling overwhelmingly wrong. It felt oppressive. It made me physically feel ill in my stomach. It was like these things I had been desensitized over the years and now somehow all of a sudden it was like a wall had come down and I saw things with new eyes. I saw it for what it was. And what I was seeing was that everything was at the complete opposite of who and what I had discovered about God. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, I'll continue with my life after baptism. And don't forget to stick around for today's code word. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888-45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. And you make it beautiful When love floods in We're restored forevermore We pray that brings the day to life With words that pierce the dark with light only by the blood are we set free My mercy is strong to carry shame And nail it to a tree Oh, you alone Oh, the power to redeem Ooh. No guilt complete Within grave can hold what your grace has justified oh yeah we pray to bring the day to light with words that pierce the dark with light only by the blood are we set free 
Listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 16 of the Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode A New Life. And coming up in today's show is the code word for today's giveaway, my ebook, Transformed. Now, before the break, I was sharing with you how after I was baptized at that church camp, I had started to drive home when I thought I'd put a CD on for the long drive. And I was sharing with you how CD after CD, album after album, band after band, each time I went to play one of these CDs, it was like a new set of eyes were given to me and I saw everything differently. Or maybe I should say I heard everything differently. Because now I was actually hearing the lyrics to these songs. And they were diametrically opposite in nature to everything I was now pursuing in this life as a follower of Jesus. You know, it's really interesting A song at its core is made up of two elements, the lyrics and the music. The lyrics are the words, and these are used to communicate thoughts or a set of thoughts, while the music is the component which is designed to communicate a feeling or a set of feelings. Think about it. Why do movies have soundtracks? Well, to communicate feeling. And it's very powerful and very effective. If the soundtrack is playing a sad tune, normally in some sort of minor key, you'll feel the scene and you'll feel the sadness and the emotion. And if the soundtrack is playing a high-tempo chase scene, you'll actually feel your heart rate increase. The musical component is a powerful ingredient, not just in movies, but in songs. And so together, in a song, you have a set of thoughts, the lyrics, and you have a set of feelings, the music. And the purpose of these two things is to communicate a message with emotion. 
This is why when you listen to two different songs, you can feel completely different. One song might make you feel happy, while the other one might make you feel sad. Now, have you ever wondered how you can absolutely love a song, and then you take that song to your best friend, and you play the exact same song to them, and they can't stand it? It happens all the time, right? Or your wife, she loves a particular song, and she plays it for you, and you don't get what's so great about it. Well, the explanation of this goes back to the makeup of those two core elements, the lyrics and the music. You see, from the viewpoint of psychology, there are two things that make up our moral character. And you guessed it, thoughts and feelings. The same two things we find in a song. And so a song actually, because it has thoughts and feelings, each song actually has a character of its own, in a sense. Now, if you're human and you've lived on planet Earth for more than one year, you'll know that there are certain types of people or characters that you like and love and you just want to be around all the time. And then on the other hand, there are types of people and characters that you can't stand to be around. You see, one of the things that either attracts us or repels us from others is character. And because everyone is made up of thoughts and feelings, we seem to be attracted to certain kinds of people who share thoughts and feelings that make us feel good and make us feel happy. And because songs have their own mini thoughts and feelings, their own mini characters, these songs are just like people. Some you can't get enough of, while others you can't stand. And so, something had and was changing in me. Because all of these songs, all of these mini-characters that were so attractive to me in the past, they were now seeming coarse and rough, and now some appeared to be conceited and vulgar and self-absorbed, and I was finding myself repulsed by them. What was happening to me? I guess you could say... The more I was discovering about this new life and this new family and this new set of attributes and characteristics of this new life with God as its center, the more and more dark and exceedingly selfish everything else seemed. Now, I'm not saying that somehow I had become a superhuman, holy and pure and a different order of species and now everything else was beneath me. Far from it. In fact, it was more like the opposite. I just started to see everything differently and a strong desire was forming deep inside me somewhere that this life, this old life that I had been living up until this point, it was no longer for me. The things that I once relished in were now quickly becoming almost well, almost disgusting to me and it was like the things of this world were becoming strangely dim and I was desiring something more, something pure, something light, something, something peaceful. Well, I finally arrived home. I pulled into the garage, walked into the house, hung up my keys, and quickly unpacked my things from my trip. And as I walked through the lounge room, my eye caught my CD rack. Yes, a CD rack, because back then you would have a rack, kind of like a series of bookshelves, which were custom-made for holding CDs. And I had hundreds of CDs, which were my pride and joy. But something inside me made me stop as I walked past them. And I started looking at the spines on the albums, running my finger down the long list of names and songs. And one by one, I started to see these were at odds with who I now am, who I wanted to be, and therefore at odds with who I wanted to follow. Now, I had never read what kind of music is good or bad for a Christian. I'd never sat in a lecture on what was good or bad music for a Christian. 
I'd never been told what was good or bad music for a Christian. But there I was. There was something inside me telling me this CD is out, this CD's in. And after a few hours, I had a pile of albums I had taken out of the racks, which somehow I now saw as out of place in this new life that I wanted to live. And so I I bought a wheelie bin into my living room. And I completely filled the wheelie bin with CDs that were no longer going to be in my life. It was so strange. These CDs I collected over the course of my life, each one meant something to me. They were kind of a part of me. But again, this new inner sense, this new inner thought process was so clear, so peaceful, so simple. This was the old me. This was my old life. And like someone joining a new family, I was leaving behind the old in order to embrace the new. This process continued as I took that willy bin out and came in and sat at my kitchen table and I thought about what had just happened. This process continued. The thought came to mind of other things in the house, in my life, which were at odds to this new life, to this new family I was a part of. And for the next few hours, I went from room to room, removing things which this new internal guide was showing me that was no longer compatible with the life that I had chosen. There were various books and magazines and videos and movies and posters and even in the pantry. I had some bottles of whiskey in the fridge. I had a few six-packs. One by one, things were added to this ever-growing pile of the remnants of my old life, the life that I had now freely chosen to walk away from, to die to. And I tell you, at the end of the process... There was a noticeable change in the house. In the very atmosphere, it was like... How do I put this? It was kind of like a dark cloud of oppression had lifted. A new light, fresh, peaceful rest filled the actual house. Now, I know some of you at this point might be thinking right now, as you're hearing this, Robbie, you've lost the plot. You can't be serious. You mean to tell me that you sensed that you needed to remove all these things from your house, and after you did that, You sensed peace? You sensed light filling your house? Is that what you're saying? Listen, I know it sounds crazy, but listen to me carefully. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I told you that this is the faith experiment. And faith is the substance of things you hope for, but it's an evidence of things not seen. But when you experiment, when you test your hypothesis, and you see measurables repeatable results that faith has substance and although you might not be able to see gravity when you experiment with gravity you will see measurable repeatable results and for me after taking that decision that step to mark the point of turning away from my old life and embracing this new life and joining the family of God something physically changed I had a clearer sense that there was some unseen internal guide leading me now and it was showing me what was right showing me what was wrong and helping me to judge or to discern between the two I later discovered that these ancient manuscripts call this unseen internal guide the helper or the comforter or the Holy Spirit and it was clear that he the Holy Spirit was guiding me Well, it's time once again to take a short break, but when we come back, I'll continue with what it was like moving into 
this new life. And don't forget to stick around for today's code word. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. By the mark where the nails have been By the sun upon his precious skin I will know my Savior when I come to Him By the mark where the nails have been When I cross over I will shout
You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 16 of The Faith Experiment, and I'm calling it A New Life. And coming up is today's code word. Now, before the break, I shared with you how I was discovering since making my decision to completely and unreservedly become a follower of Jesus, I was discovering that I was beginning to quite literally see things all around me in a different light. I started to sense that very specific things which I was once fine with no longer fit into my new life. I didn't even think twice about them. If it was inconsistent, it was out. And I shared how a number of things left my home and I immediately sensed a change was taking place in my home. Now the next day was Monday and I headed back into work. On the drive into the office I decided to leave the stereo off and I spent the time in deep thought contemplating about what had been happening in my life and I was feeling quite good. I was feeling like everything was turning a corner and for the better and it was right then when some guy cut across in front of me and almost hit my car. My immediate instinct kicked in and I swerved and I blew the horn and I yelled at the guy in the car calling him a Enter. Immediately I realized what I'd just done. What I had just said. And I instantly, I felt sick in my stomach. I felt like I wanted to vomit. I felt ashamed. I felt disgusted at myself. How could I have done this so easily? I had just been baptized. I felt like, like I'd offended my God and I had betrayed him already. Now, the funny thing is, nobody had said to me that swearing was wrong. I don't even remember if I read anything in the Bible about swearing. But right there, in my car, in that moment, I had absolute certainty that what I had just done was wrong and was inconsistent with this new life. And I couldn't do anything now except beg for forgiveness from God for so quickly failing in this new life I was meant to now be walking. I got to the office car park and... I made my way to the elevator, I pushed the button and made my way to the 8th floor. I loved working in this office. I loved the technology I got to work with every day. I loved problem solving. I loved the office banter. It was a great place to work. But something was different today. As I made my way through the maze of office hallways and cubicles, I felt like I was entering a different world. I walked past a couple of guys having trivial conversations about their sexual conquest over the weekend. Then there were the office girls gossiping about Donna from tech services. It all seemed so empty and so void of purpose. As I got to my desk, I sat down and turned the computer on, got my lunch out of my bag and got up to make my way to the lunchroom to put my lunch in the fridge. And while I was heading that way, I thought I'd grab a coffee, my normal morning routine. When I got to the lunchroom, I opened the fridge and put my lunch in and then reached to grab a mug out of the cupboard to make my coffee. When out of nowhere I had that sick, sinking feeling like I wanted to vomit. And then this thought came to my mind as plain as day. Do you really think it's good to poison yourself? Where did that come from? You see, I didn't know it then, but I found out later that coffee, which contains caffeine is the most widely used psychoactive substance in the world. In fact, according to the Alcohol and Drug Foundation of Australia, coffee is defined as a drug. 
And according to the New Science magazine, more than 80% of adults regularly consume caffeine via their daily coffee fix. I never thought of coffee as a drug. But it seems every government agency and health and nutrition service out there is very open on the negative effects of coffee and caffeine on the mind and the body. I mean, most public health services out there even talk about how to handle withdrawal problems when you try to reduce the amount of coffee and caffeine that you consume. It's a pretty serious issue, but like me, most of us just think of coffee as a pick-me-up. And so there I am, standing in the office kitchen, holding a mug with this overpowering thought, let the coffee drinking go. And as I'm standing there, out of nowhere, a passage which I had read in the scriptures came to mind. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? A verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Where did that come from? And so I decided right there, right then, that I would stop drinking coffee. Now, I worked in an office. I would easily have drunk 10 to 15 cups of coffee per day. And to say that it was a piece of cake to stop drinking is an understatement. But from that day, right there in that office kitchen, I have never had another coffee. And you know, I thought I would miss it. I thought that I wouldn't be able to function. But that wasn't the case. I have survived near on 18 years without coffee. And guess what? I feel great. As I made my way back to my cubicle and settled down in front of my workstation, I opened up my project board and checked my email when the rest of the team arrived. And as they started talking to me and to each other, I was overwhelmed with the amount of swearing everyone used. There was Rod, he was from South Africa, just about every second word began with F. Then there was Chris, he was a Toowoomba boy, a self-professed country hick, who swore like a sailor. And then there was Dan, he was from India, but he'd picked up swearing and was able to keep up with the rest of us. And then there was me. I had not really even thought about it. But I was up there too in how skilled I was to use tone and intonation to make a four-letter word mean of just about anything. But now, sitting here, hearing this conversation, it was like sharp piercings to my ears each time I heard a four-letter word being used. Now, don't get me wrong. These guys weren't bad guys. These were great guys. They'll do anything to help you. But something had changed inside of me. I couldn't take swearing anymore. It was physically affecting me. And the only words that were standing out to me and ringing in my mind were these swearing words. And so I retreated back to my workstation and put my headphones on and tried to tune things out. I started talking to God and while sitting there in my cubicle, I asked him to take away swearing from me. I didn't want it to be a part of my life anymore. And it was then that I remembered something that that speaker at the camp meeting shared with me. While we were studying about the new birth, he told me that if I ever needed God's help to change something in my character, to claim the promise of Jude 24. And so, I pulled up Jude 24 on my computer and read it. This is what it says. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. The speaker of the camp had said, If you need help to change something in your life, take out this verse, write your name and your problem into it, and then tell God that he wrote this promise, and now you expect him to keep his promise. And so I did. I wrote out on a small piece of paper, Now unto Jesus, who is able to keep Robbie 
from swearing and to present Robbie faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And so I told God, God, you wrote this promise and I believe it, but now it's up to you to keep your promise and keep me from swearing. And do you know that every day I would take out that little piece of paper out of my shirt pocket and remind God of his promise he had made to me and that how I was depending on him to keep his promise so that I would be kept from swearing for that day. And as I claimed this promise day after day, you know, my speech changed. The way I spoke changed and swearing completely disappeared from my vocabulary. You know, I've told people this story over the years and they say to me, Robbie, I can't imagine you swearing like that. And I say back to them, and there is the evidence of my experiment with faith. Faith has the power to transform lives, to change characters and to bring good out of bad. Well, it didn't stop there. Next was beer o'clock. You see, in the office at 5 p.m. every afternoon, it was beer o'clock, free beers, one of the perks of the job. And all of us looked forward to beer o'clock each afternoon. And I knew it was coming, and I knew that this was going to be tough. How do I tell the boys that I'm not drinking anymore? You see, I was known as the biggest drinker of them all. I wore that badge with honor. I could out-drink anyone. Beer, I held the record. Bourbon, I held the record. Rum, yep, that was me. You name it, I had it. But I had determined in my heart that that life was my old life, and I was dead to that life. I wanted to live in the newness of life where my mind and my body were, in fact, the temple of the Holy Spirit to dwell in. And so I was trying to think of a way to get out of beer o'clock. You see, nobody knew of my faith experiment. No one in the office knew of my journey since 911. I didn't share it with any of them. And to be honest, I wasn't really keen to share it with them now because I knew how they would react, because I knew how I would react if it was one of them. And so I was not going to bring this up and explain that I was no longer drinking. And so I thought of Jude 24 again. And so I got out a piece of paper and wrote down this. Now unto Jesus, who is able to keep Robbie from drinking and to present Robbie faultlessly before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I read it out and I said, God, you promised this and I believe it. But now you need to keep your promise. And then at about a quarter to five or beer o'clock, Tom, our department manager, he walks over and says, Hey guys, look, I'm sorry about this, but beer o'clock is off today. I need you boys to work back late. It's urgent. To which the rest of the team whinged and moaned. While in my own little world, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Did God just do that? Did God just keep everyone from having beer o'clock because of me? Well, this continued for the next few days. I would claim the promise and go to make something come up or happen that caused the whole team to miss out on beer o'clock. And after a few weeks, the whole team seemed to forget about beer o'clock. And that habit or tradition was gone. And this is how my life continued for the next few months. Each time a problem would come up, a character defect, a worry, a fear, a struggle, I'd find the promise that God has made in the scriptures and claim it for myself. Really trying to experiment with my faith and the author behind the text. And time and time again, I saw the power of the God of these ancient texts people started to notice changes in me. I started to notice changes in me. And for almost a year, I kept experimenting with my faith. Well, it's time to take a short break again. But once we come back, I'll continue with what it was like moving into this new life. And don't forget to stick around for today's code word. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. 
You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04 That's 04 Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day And I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to gray And I don't See to under 
is The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen and this is episode 16 of The Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this episode A New Life. And coming up is today's code word. And before the break, I was sharing with you how in my faith experiment, I put God to the test and I claimed the various and numerous promises in these ancient manuscripts and one by one over time, I proved the faithfulness of God and saw his power working in my life. Now, as people in the church community began to hear of my story and how I came to faith, I was invited to share my story at various churches each week. And the more places I shared, the more it seemed that I was asked to share at other churches. Now, a few months after that church camp where I made my decision to be baptized, I was contacted by the speaker at the camp. And he asked me if I'd be willing to travel to Malaysia to speak at a camp meeting there. My response was, mate, are you kidding me? I'm not a camp speaker. To which Mal responded, brother Rob. God has not just awakened you to the knowledge of Him so that you can keep it to yourself. God calls us to share, and this is your time to share. And so, the next thing I knew, I was boarding a plane bound for Malaysia, where I spent the next two weeks sharing with the people of Borneo who God was and what God wanted us to know. When I got back from Borneo, I drove into the office the next day and thought to myself, God, if there's a way for me to help people learn about you, please use me. I was in the office for about 15 minutes when I got a call from the same guy from mail. I answered the phone and say, hey, mate, how's it going? He says, brother Rob, I can't talk long, but can you come to New Zealand to speak another camp? I was silent. I was trying to process what he just said. You see, I'd just taken two weeks annual leave to be able to travel to Malaysia and now he was asking me to take more time travel in New Zealand. But then a voice in my head said, didn't you just ask me this morning if there was a way for me to use you? Well, this is it. So after a pause, I said, Mail, when do you want me to be there? He said, tomorrow. I said, what, tomorrow? I'd have to leave tonight. And he said, oh, I see. Well, ask your manager if you can have time off. If he says yes, that's the sign. If he says no, that's the sign. I said, okay then. So I went to see my manager, Tom. I said, hey, Tom, is there any chance I can take two weeks leave off again? Tom said, another holiday already? I said, yeah, something like that. Something's come up and I need to go to New Zealand. And he said, well, I'll put the request into HR. When do you need to know by? And I said, um, lunchtime? Tom said, what? Leave applications take two weeks for approval. You know that. I said, yeah, I know. Look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I need to know by lunch. Now, I didn't expect an answer by lunch, and to be honest, that was okay. The idea of speaking to Kiwis about God was a bit daunting, and uh, I'd be okay with not going. But I did my part, and I returned back to my desk and started working. Well, right at lunchtime, Tom walks over and says, I don't know who your connections are, but your leave application was just approved. I was shocked, then excited, then terrified. And again, the next thing I knew, I was boarding a plane bound for New Zealand. When I got back to work after coming back to New Zealand, a few days go by and I get a call from the same guy, male, and he says, Brother Rob, can you come to Melbourne this weekend to help me with leadership training program I'm running? I need someone to help me record and edit lectures. So I said, sure. 
It just so happened it was a long weekend, so I didn't need to take any leave this time. So I head to Melbourne, and during the course of the weekend, Mail introduces me to some other guys who had similar stories to mine, all IT professionals, all who had discovered God recently. It was amazing meeting people who could understand what I'd just been through, what I was still going through. And as I got talking to them, it turned out that they were all about to move to the United States to start seminary. What seminary, I asked. They said, it's like university, but all you study is the Bible for four years. And then what, I said. Well, then you go teaching, you go preaching. Some people become missionaries, some people become Bible teachers, some become pastors, some become evangelists. Right then, as they were speaking, something deep inside of me said, this is what you will become. I didn't know what to make of it, and so I just kept listening. And then one of the guys, Ben, says, Rob, you should come with us. What do you mean, I asked. You should come with us to America and go to seminary. I was like, you'll be kidding, mate. I'm a software engineer. I have a house and a mortgage. I can't just pack up and move to America. I don't have money for that. Then Ben said, Rob, just apply to seminary and see what God does. I was like, yeah, right. Ben said, come on, what do you have to lose? So the next thing I know... I'm filling out a college application for a seminary in the United States. After going through all the various questions, the last question on the page was, please describe how you intend to fund your tuition for the duration of your stay in the United States. And so I typed in the field, I have no way to pay for this course. I have no way to come to America, but I'm just going to submit this application and see what God does next. And with that, I clicked submit. Then Ben and the other guys said, now let's pray. And so they prayed that God would have his hand over this application and open the way if it was his will or close the door if it was not. And that was it. And so we finished leadership weekend and we said our goodbyes. And as I was leaving, Ben says, I'll see you, Rob, in the US. To which I reply, yeah, okay. For the next 20 hours, I'm on the road driving back to Brisbane. I get home in the early hours Monday morning, jump into bed, for about four hours sleep before I need to get up and head into the work. The alarm goes off, I'm feeling dead tired, so I get dressed, grab my things, and I decide today I'll catch the train, because that will give me another 40 minutes or so to sleep. So I park at the train station, get on the train, catch some more sleep. Once I arrive, I take the lift, go up the eighth floor, and once again make my way through the maze of office halls and cubicles. I get to my desk, I sit down, I turn the workstation on, when the general manager of the information services department comes to our floor, and announces, we're having a general staff meeting in five minutes. We all look at each other. What was this about? We never have general staff meetings. And so we all slowly get up, make our way to the boardroom level eight. You can hear the whispers among the staff, all the speculation on what this was all about. Next time on The Faith Experiment, I will share with you what happened in that staff meeting and how it became a pivotal point in my faith experiment. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today I have an ebook that I have compiled of more than 250 powerful Bible promises that will transform your life. These texts have shaped and changed my life over the last 19 years, and I know they will transform yours. To get today's free ebook, you need to text hashtag F. E16. That's the hash symbol followed by the letters FE as in faith experiment and the number 16 as in episode 16. So text hash FE16 
to 04-888-45311. That's 04-888-45311. Text hash FE16 to 04-888-45311 and the Faith FM bot will ask you for some details and will reply to you with a link and you will get the book transformed right there on your phone. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888 453 4531 That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.